0: For quite some time, the New Jersey Devils have tried to find their identity and reestablish themselves as a playoff threat. It has taken them much longer to do so to the point where the Seattle Kraken weren't even in existence when Jack Hughes was drafted by the Devils in 2019. And speaking of the Seattle Kraken, they're trying to find a winning identity of their own, and it appears that both teams are doing that this season. But are they playoff teams? We'll discuss in episode 343 of the Lease Em Up podcast, which starts right now. And now, it's time to them Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Buff Before we uh, talk about uh, two of the surprisingly hottest teams in the league, Brett, uh, some more injury news and a tough blow for the Winnipeg Jets offense. He's only yeah. played in two games, but uh, Nikolai Ehlers, unlikely to play in a lot more after this injury. Well,
1: yeah, I, I was actually going to talk about the Columbus stuff first, but yeah, we can...
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, why, why not talk about things going from bad to worse yeah, for Columbus yeah. as well? So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, uh, the last time we talked, we, we mentioned how Zach Wierenski's out for the whole year. And then Jacob Forchek's yep. also out and um, all that stuff. And then uh, Blinkenberg was another one, Bockfist, who was already injured. Um, yeah, and the Blue Jackets added some more some more guys who are placed on IR. One is Patrick Liney, who's out for three to four weeks now. Um, Elvis Merzilkins is another one who is placed on IR. Um, and then also Jack, uh, Jack Bean, Jake Bean, um, who was, it wouldn't have been an issue, um, if, uh, Zach Warinski was healthy or if, uh, Bogfist was healthy or if Blankensburg was healthy, but Jake Bean is also not there and in comes... Marcus Bjork, who's uh, who's going to be <laughs> the Blue Jackets' power play quarterback.
0: Bjork's brother.
1: I no, I don't think he has any Neither relation really. to him. But um, but that it's just funny that, that that's that's what happens. And I see here that J- Jack Roslevic is also day to day. He didn't have a great season, so yeah. Anyways, it seems like the only healthy people for now is Boone Jenner and Johnny Gaudreau. Um, and, and the
0: trainers. <laughs> and the
1: trainers, yeah. Um, we should
0: probably watch their back at this rate. Right, right. Might be next.
1: Um, yeah, I'm looking here. I guess Ken Johnson has been healthy, but he hasn't played all 17 games. Um, and if actually, okay, let me see here. Okay, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven Blue Jackets who have played all 17 games. Um, Gaudreau, Jenner, Chinacoff. Um, Nyquist, Sillinger, Gavrikov, and Andrew Peak. So um, yeah, great list. Um, and yeah, so it's like uh, it, you didn't think it would get worse for the Blue Jackets, and it did. So um, and yeah, they probably were already gonna be tanking and rebuilding anyways. Um, yeah, G- Goudreau helps their team a lot, and he's he's low key been pretty good despite all these um, uh, injuries, um, you know, to on his team, but. Fifteen points and seventeen in seventeen games already. So uh, he's like that's like the lone bright spot. Oh, and I guess Boone Jenner's been pretty good too. Thirteen points in seventeen games. But yeah, those are the only two good, good, good players on the team at at the moment. Um,
0: yeah. And the good news is they'll have some draft capital. Yep. Like you said, they'll have some pretty high draft picks. They've accumulated some draft picks as Already, well. Yeah. So the future is is still very much bright, as we said last week, but it's, it's just going to be one of those off years that maybe it works out for them in the yeah. end. But yeah, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you probably want to fast forward to the NHL draft because there's not going to be much to see outside yeah. of watching all your favorite players, or not all your favorite players, basically, I would think Gustav Naik was being on that list. I, he's a likable player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, the, basically, the trade deadline and then the NHL draft are the two magical days for the Blue Jackets franchise at the moment.
1: But yeah, is, like, yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it is kind of unfortunate because they get Johnny Goudreau. You think, like, oh, okay – and, like, you re resign Patrick Liney, so you're thinking, like, okay. Yeah. Like, they probably didn't expect to make the playoffs, if you're being honest, because they didn't really improve the defense or the goaltending. But, like, you're thinking, like, okay, this could be kind of fun, just seeing Liney and Goudreau be on the same team and all that, and, and that's going to have to wait for a few more weeks now. So, yeah. Um,
0: the one thing I will say, though, if there's – it's it, it hard to find bright spots, obviously, in right. the way things have started for Columbus. But if there is one you want to point to, you get to see what players are like in certain situations. Like, you didn't think a guy like Andrew Peek and Vladislav Gavrikov, obviously big parts of that defense, but they'd probably be like the two best defensemen, and now you're going to see what they can do on a top-pairing role. Uh, you're gonna see a lot of guys like Sillinger and Shanaikov continue to get more minutes. Maybe you'll see more of Ken Johnson, as you mentioned. Um, and if if you look at Tampa Bay in sixteen seventeen, they were banged up. Yeah. They almost made the playoffs. And one guy that emerged in that season was Brayden Point. And look where he is now. So, uh, if there's one thing for the organization. It's looking what you have beyond your star players and what their ceiling is and what they can do for you beyond this season. Um, maybe, maybe you get some interesting line combinations that you otherwise wouldn't have thought of because you would assume everyone is healthy, but now everyone's banged up. So it's yeah. like, okay, well, let's try these line combos and see what happens.
1: So, right, right. Um, I,
0: I, I guess if you want to be an eternal optimist, there's, there's that to, to look ahead. It's, it's time to figure out what you have beyond your star players.
1: Yeah, the bright news, though, is that uh, Jordan Dumai, you mentioned, um, he's he's really killing it in, um, wait, is this possible? He has 48 points in 21 games for Halifax this year? I
0: mean, Halifax is
1: very good. Um, (laughs) They're one of the
0: best teams in the Quebec Major Junior League at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, I guess, but like, I didn't realize he was that good. That's crazy. So yeah, that's one prospect. Yeah, he probably
0: top of the leaderboard in in this. In yeah, the I was about to race. say. And then yeah, also projected one hundred fifty six point sixty two goals. Um,
1: God. Also, <laughs> Luca Del Bell Belize Blues, um, who was Del also Del Bell Blues. Grap- great name, yeah. Uh, he was He's also. First,
0: by the way, Dumani is first in Q scoring. I was right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I figured. And um, he's
0: twelve points ahead of the next closest. Well,
1: player. That's that's insane. <laughs> that's literally that was insane. I was so take that, Lafrenia. Yeah. So basically, um, yeah, I was go- I was going to mention how, um, like, because I, I was just looking to see how Denton Matejchuk and uh, their other div- uh, David Yurchek were doing, and they're doing pretty well. But then I was like looking at elite prospects, and I was like, wait a second, Jordan Dubai, he's He's doing really well. But, um, yeah, Denton D- 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 Matejchuk is doing pretty well in the WHL, 19 points in 17 games. And David Yerchuk is in the AHL right now. He has eight points in nine games. So that's even more impressive. Um, like for defensemen especially. Especially, yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like even though like Columbus is depleted on the defensive side of things, I don't think it makes sense to call up David Yerchek because, uh, like, you don't want him to, like, I, I feel like it just makes sense to put him in um, in uh, the AHL for the rest of the yeah. year. Get, get guys yeah. in places where they can thrive. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I mostly just mention this, like, in case there are Blue Jackets fans, um, you, you have a pretty deep prospect pool and a lot of guys that um, are going to be pretty good for the next couple of years. Um, by the way, speaking yeah. of
0: Q prospects, just quickly, Brad Tell. Shout out another one, James Malatesta. Oh, yeah. 23rd in Q scoring with 24 points in 19 games, 16 goals in those 19 games.
1: Wow. Jeez.
0: So almost a goal per game, not bad.
1: Yeah, there's, um, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Quebec,
0: by the way, is also one of the top teams in the Q. So. Oh, okay,
1: okay, <laughs> that makes sense then. Yeah, but um, still,
0: 16 goals in 19 games is still pretty much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um but anyways, um yeah, I guess there's there's a lot of things to look forward to if you're the um if you're the Blue Jackets but not on the current team just yet. Yeah. Um okay, um in terms of other stuff uh, and Steve did mention this briefly, but yeah. one of the more underrated players in the league, uh Nikolai Ehlers. Um yeah. He, I was just looking at his stats briefly because I wanted to like figure out a way to describe him, but yeah, he has 361 point career points in 480 games, and that's roughly 70.75 points per game. Um, if you put that in the little thing, so it's not like a Kale McCarr Conor McDavid type situation, but it's pretty decent. Um, anyways, um, yeah, he hasn't played at all this this year, he's only played two games. Uh, three assists in those two games, though um, it looks like he's uh, he just got injured though um, sports hernia surgery and will be sidelined indefinitely. Um, so yeah, that that's gotta hurt the Winnipeg Jets, of course. Um, but um, but yeah, it's unclear when he'll be out. Um, I wouldn't like maybe we won't see him for um, a, lo- a long time. I would imagine maybe like in the second half at the very if you're being optimistic, but, um, yeah, it's it's um, it's not good. But you never like to see that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like Nikolai Ehlers is a little bit like William Nylander, where, like, when you think of the Winnipeg Jets, he's not the first guy that you think right. of, except when the Jets are struggling and you look at his stats and you're just like, he needs to score more goals. What's happening with Nikolai Ehlers? Right. And, and we don't really appreciate his talents enough, and we really should. Uh, but, yeah, definitely a tough uh, loss for the Jets, who are already leaning hard on Connor Hellebuck. Uh well I've yeah. never heard that storyline before and Connor yeah. Hellebuck, to be fair to him is playing out of his goddamn mind. yeah he seems to be and back Cole Perfetti so. is uh, playing pretty well in his own right as well
1: yeah the the Jets are actually second in their division um, mm-hmm. or tied for second in their division I should say um, and yeah they I mean yeah you kind of called it the Connor Helibuck is back into his old ways uh, which is Good to see on the on the bright side, but yeah, it's like it, it's gotta hurt that they don't have um, that they won't have Ellers, and I'm I'm not sure if Willie Nylander is the apt um, description. Yeah, he's not as good as Tavares. Oh, sorry, he's not as good as Matthews, Tavares, or Marner. Uh, but like even like right this season, he has 20 points in 19 games, so it's like uh, and 10 and 10 goals. Um, so it's like all right, that's that's not bad. Um, but, yeah, I I, I I do get what you mean, like, in terms of just, like, when you think of the Jets, you think of Shifley, Connor, um, Wheeler, um, and all those guys, But and we, others isn't really mentioned. But, yeah, when you think of the Maple Leafs, he's more like, a complimentary guy, but, like, he's a pretty good <laughs> complimentary guy. He would be, like, a star player on any other team. Um, anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
0: hey, just just one stat quickly on Connor Helbuck, if you don't sure, mind. Sure, Uh So, he has faced the six most shots. Uh, John Gibson, Carter Hart, UC Saros, James Reimer, Darcy Kemper, James Reimer. Wow. Uh, being ahead of him in that regard. Is goals, uh, the goals against average uh, for the top five names. The lowest one on that list is 2.65, Carter Hart. Connor Helbuck's goals against average with the six most shots 2.07. jeez. Absurd.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, okay, so we'll uh, we're gonna talk about the New Jersey Devils this uh, this week um, uh, to as our main topic. We are also going to talk about the Seattle Kraken in a bit. Uh, but yeah, we, we have been planning on talking about them for quite a while. Uh, we did talk about Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt a, a few weeks ago to be fair. Uh, but, um, and they're still, they're still very hot, uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I think we wanted to go more in depth, and this was even before they had this, like, huge streak, uh, they won 12, they've won 12 games in a row, um, their goal differential is actually plus 26, which I believe is actually the, okay, that's actually the second most, um, in the league, uh, first, being guess,
0: Boston is first.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself with Boston, but yes, Boston does have yeah, a plus 38. To talking about the Devils. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just going to be talking with the Bruins for the rest of the time now. Uh, but, yeah, the Bruins are, yeah, the Devils are the second uh, best team, or they have the second best record. The Boston Bruins have the first. No big deal. Um, and... Um, but like it's it's weird because it's like uh, the, they uh, the devils have 15 wins uh, three losses zero OTLs and the Bruins are 16 and two with zero OTLs as well um, so so yeah they've, they've both been really good but we want to talk about the devils because we we talk about the Bruins a lot um, as well um yeah so I mentioned that Nico hecherrry uh, or last week or the few weeks ago that Nico Hesher and Jesper Bratt have been incredible, which they have, and they still have. Uh, Bratt has 22 points in 18 games. Uh, Hesher has 19 points in 17 games. I feel like like, even though Peterson and um, and McCarr are still very, very good, obviously, and I think in a redraft, you want to take those guys ahead of Hesher, but Uh, He's just making a a case that he's not, like, you know, he wasn't a slouch. Like, he deserved to be first overall in 2017 um, just by this year, because this is his, like, breakout season, it feels like. Um, He's also, like, I think his uh, uh, um, face-off percentage is really good, too. Um, Just let me pull that up really quickly. Um, Yeah, 57%. Um, I'm not sure where that is in the grand scheme of things, but he might be, like, he's a sneaky, sulky winner, um, if he, if he keeps this up. But, yeah, he's really good defensively and offensively, and that's a big reason why the Devils are where they're at. Uh, other guys, of course, you can talk about Jack Hughes. 19 points in 18 games. Um, it was kind of funny. I don't know if you saw this, Steve, but, uh, like, I think it was a, a couple days ago, but, like, someone was asking him about, um, like if they're like worried about uh like losing or it's just a stupid question really. And uh or like something about it, like if they're struggling or something like that, and then Jack Hughes says like, well we're we're on a nine game heater, so I don't I don't think we're we're struggling or something like I mean you like know things that. are pretty good when yeah. Thomas
0: Tatar is a plus eleven.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And I know yeah. you
0: don't like plus minuses, but yeah. Thomas Tatar is a plus eleven it is well, pretty darn good for Thomas Tatar.
1: Correction, I, I don't, like, yes, I don't like plus minuses, but I'll only, like, I only will, like, unless it's, like, glaringly very good or glaringly very bad.
0: Yeah, so, it's an overrated stat, but it, 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 does tell a, it, it does tell a notable part of the story yeah, to me in fair. terms of where trends are going. Yeah. It's not the be-all, end-all stat, but it, it, it does tell a part of the story. Yeah, that's but, fair. Uh, just looking at its career plus minuses, Plus 11 seems pretty high
1: at this stage yeah. of the year for Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then, um, in terms of other guys... So, like, yeah, we figured that if the Devils are going to be good, it's going to be because of Jack Hughes, Jesper Brad, and Nico Heischer. Um, and I guess Dougie Hamilton, who's also been very good, too. Uh, he has... Uh, I just have this here. Uh, Dougie has 14 points in 18 games. Um, so it's like, yeah, those guys are typical. But, yes, you mentioned... Uh, Thomas Tatar, eleven points in eighteen games. Uh, Miles Wood, um, which uh, shout out to him, uh, ten points in eighteen games. Michael McLeod has nine points in eighteen games. Now we're getting to like territory where it's like, okay, what, what's going on here? But um, or it isn't as impressive. But uh, Yegor Sharangovich, nine points in eighteen games. Uh, Nathan Bastian, uh, eight points in seventeen games. Dawson Mercer, eight points in eighteen games. Uh, then you have John Marino uh, with 8 points in 18 games as well. Oh, and I, I guess we should also mention Fabian Set- Zetterlund, 8 points in 13 games. Uh, Ryan Graves, 7 points in 18 games. Eric Hollis, 7 points in 18 games. Um, there's a lot of 18 games here. Um, Andre Palat, when he was playing, he had 3 points in 6 games. Uh, so so that's, like, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting because, like, last year, Dawson Mercer... Um, And um, Dawson Mercer was like a key guy for them, you know, as a depth forward for them. Um, And he hasn't been as good as um, he was last year. Um, And then like they go out and get um, John Marino. Uh, He's he's looked a lot better in terms of like the defensive side of things. And I, I think that's why they got him in the trade. Um, Compared to like, I don't even think Ty Smith is even playing for Pittsburgh right now. So it's just that like that's that's already working out for them in New Jersey. You can also mention how like Damon Severson, who had a pretty decent uh, season last year, um, and he had four points in eighteen games. So it's like that's not as good as we thought he could be. But like at the same time, like a lot of the reason why Severson was good last year was because. Dougie Hamilton was out, and and uh, Severson turned into like that guy, um, and became the power play quarterback there. But um, but yeah, it's it's just interesting that like you know we you expect that if the Devils are going to be doing well, it's going to be beca- like not only because of Brad Hughes, Heischer, and Hamilton, um, but like it's like you would expect there would be more depth guys as well picking it up and. Yeah, not to take anything away from Sharon Govich, Chatar, or Miles Wood, uh, but, like, you know, kind of want to expect them there to be more there, I guess. Um, and the other thing that we've talked about a lot is the goaltending. Um, like, last year, I think the Devils had, like, you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like um, they had, like, eight, um, eight goaltenders um, last year. you're
0: close, it was seven. I'm pretty seven. sure it was seven.
1: Okay. Um, I'll, I'll check. You, on, yeah. I'll check when you have a, a spiel. Um, and Vitek. to be to be fair, uh, like Mackenzie Blackwood has been injured for a little bit, so they've had to rely on Akira Schmid um, to to do some of this stuff. But like, even still, like Itek Vanacek, um, he's been decent nine sixteen save percentage two fifteen GAA eight one and zero um, as a record, um, and then. Um, yeah, Blackwood when he's been playing, not as impressive, 880 save percentage and a 2.79 GAA but four and two. And then you have Akira Schmid, uh, he's won all three of his games that he started, um, and he has a nine forty-one save percentage and a GAA of one point three five. I know it's like a low sample size, but of course that's 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 gonna come in handy um, if if he can if he can keep that up, of course. But um, or like even at like a nine twenty say percentage or a nine fifteen say percentage I think of the Devils will take and um, yeah the other thing I I know that you have these in your notes and you're gonna mention this anyway but um, it was interesting because like the Devils like at the start of the year um, the fans wanted Lindy Ruff gone the coach Uh, Andrew Burnett is the assistant coach so that that could be attributed to why. The Devils have been so good. It's because of the Andrew Burnett influence, even though he's not the head coach. Um, and then the fans like even mentioned like like fire Lindy Ruff and early on. Um, and then just recently they, ch- they chanted the opposite where they're like sorry Lindy, um, which was which is kind of funny. Also, uh, Miles Wood uh, towards the start of the season he said that like he just like he publicly said that he just hates playing for a losing team um and he's just, he's just annoyed by like just the fact that the devils keep on losing all these games early on um which i guess kind of makes some sense cuz like the when the devils yeah the devils are 15 and 3 but they lost their first two games of the season <laughs> in october yeah. early october um and then they haven't looked back since. I mean, yeah, they lost to Washington. Like they went on a three-game winning streak. Then they lost to Washington, and then they went on this current streak uh, of 12 games that they're talking about. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, it's. It, I, I guess the like officially their franchise record is like 14 wins in a row or something. Um, and if they do that, then it's going to be against Toronto. They play Edmonton tomorrow. Which I guess is today by the time you listen to this, um, and then uh, yeah, they play on Wednesday. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think it's 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 definitely cool. Like, I, cause I think they the Devils can. Actually, I'll, I should I'm talking enough. Uh, <laughs> what do you have to say about this New Jersey Devils team? And then we can talk so, about it if this will continue. So
0: there. So it comes down to the stats and also comes to the eye test, what you see on the ice. So. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go with uh, with the stats test uh, first, and I was taking a look at faceoff percentages because you mentioned Nico Heischer. Nico Heischer leads the team with 357 faceoff wins. He's won 200, or, or not won 200. Um, uh, he's taken he's taken uh, 357 total faceoffs, uh, and out of those faceoffs. He has won 57.4% of them, which yep. is pretty good. Now, the next guy in the list, believe it or not, is Eric Holla. Eric Halla has averaged 16.24 per game this season, a far cry from the 19.26 that he sure has averaged this year. And out of those 244 face Eric Holla has won 58.2% of those draws. Pretty good. Then you have Michael McLeod, third on the list with 217 draws taken. He's only averaged 11 minutes and 14 seconds of ice time per game. He has won 58.5% of his draws. And then you have Jack Hughes who has taken 104 face-offs and has won 32.7% of them. And then it goes down to the double digits Doss Mercer was 64 face-off. Jesper is has 45. Even Thomas Tataris taking 17, what But the top three, Esher, Holla, and McLeod to be above 57%. 50, above 57% success rate in the face-off dot. And even shorthanded, Esher and McLeod have won over 60% of their draws that they've taken. That's huge if you can win that many draws shorthanded. So there's, there's that part that I like. The other part that I have mentioned to you, Brett, in previous email conversations is the amount of shots that this team generates and the amount of shots that they give up because another flaw to the Devils uh, over the past couple of years is I feel like Blackwood and whoever the Devils goalie has been has been forced at times to stand on his head because the team has been playing with reckless abandon, not enough structure and they're giving up way too many shots on that. Well, that has changed, especially during this 12-game slide, to the point where, just taking a look at the overall summary, um, they outshot teams in the first 22 periods they played. First 22 periods they outshot the other team, Uh, that ended in Game 8 against the Colorado Avalanche. By the way, the doubles beat the Avs 1-0 in that game, so even though, oh, shocker, they got outshot by somebody, it still didn't matter. They won that game anyway. Um, in their first 57 periods, over the course of 18 games, they played 57 periods. They have outshot teams, in 44 of those 57. They gave up 25 shots or less in their first 10 games with at the Edmonton Oilers ending that streak in the 11th game of the year. And even still, they gave up 25 shots or less in 11 of their first 18 games. An exceptional rate. And if you want to go one step further, the Devils this year, in their first 18 games, have only been outshot twice. (laughs) So 16 of the 18 games, they've outshot the other team. A lot of that rather handily because they have registered at least 35 shots in 14 of the 18 games that they played and if you want to look at how many times they averaged 40 or more shots that happened seven times in the 18 games that they played this year so the stats test is proving to back up the theory that their team play is in fact working out but what about what you see on the ice well what you see on the ice and in the first two games I see a lot of the flaws that my Ottawa Senators are currently showing right now and that's they seem to be paying for every single breakdown that happens at key portions of the game. Uh, you saw it in Philadelphia, where the Flyers are just outworking them early. They're getting guys in front of the net. A couple of, eh, suspect rebounds going off of Blackwood right onto a Flyers stick. And it just seems that the puck battles, the Flyers are winning most of them. The Devils aren't winning them often enough. And while the Devils are getting chances, there are a couple of defensive lapses where... You know, you get uh, a couple of goals against you in like a 30-second span or something like this, and that's the ball game. And it cost the Devils in that first game in Philly. Then they go home to Detroit, and it happened in Washington as well. But the Devils are in control for the most part, and what happens in the second period, they give up four goals. Happened against Detroit, happened against Washington. And I believe that home opener against Detroit was where you heard the Fire Lindy chants. Um, Then, of course, they get their first win of the season against the Ducks. Then they follow that up with a pretty good game against the New York Islanders. And throughout the course of those games where they're starting to win now, you're starting to see, yes, guys like Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt dictating the pace. Guys like Dougie Hamilton taking absolute bombs from the point, Damon Severson. Doing some of that as well Also uh, the stretch passes There have been some good stretch passes From their back end guys as well From the likes of Hamilton and Severson and others Um, You have seen the skill But what you see Is the hard working Keeping the puck alive Continuing to battle You're seeing a lot of that Before the big goal happens And throughout that hard work You're starting to see good Quick passes On the tape and the superstars who are receiving those feeds know what to do with it. They're able to get quick shots on net. They're able to get them from within close range. And that's how you get goals. From the front of the net, from the left or the right faceoff circle, shots from the point with traffic in front, the Devils are doing all the simple things you need to do to get the goals before they're scoring those goals. It's not like a Connor McDavid end-to-end rush. That's how they score goals with pure talent. In order to win consistently in this league, and teams like Carolina do it best, teams like Vegas do it best, even teams like Colorado, although they've got all kinds of talent like New Jersey does, they're able to do the little things right as well. And the Devils have been doing more of that consistently, game in and game out. That's why you're looking at the shot clock and you're realizing, holy crap, they're out getting us. They're winning the puck battles, they're doing all the small things that's needed to win, and they're getting rewarded for it now. So, stats test they're passing it, I test they're passing it. If they keep doing the simple things they need to do on the ice, the stats will continue to bend in their direction, and they'll get the lucky breaks when they need them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I, um, I, was, I was curious to see, because you were talking about uh, Nico Huescher's face-off numbers. I was just wondering, like, how does that compare to all the other guys? Um, so currently, he's, um, it's hard to know, because, like, if you look up face-off win percentage, they count, like, guys like Matthias Janmark, who's only taken, like, two <laughs> face-offs, and he just so yeah. happened to win those two face-offs, so it's, like, it's hard to really judge that. So I went by face-off wins, and I know that's not really fair either, because it's like, whatever. So, uh, Nico Heischer is 8th, um, but I was surprised to see who was number 1, um, so I, I, you can, because I'm surprised, you can already guess that it's not Bergeron or Barkov. Who do you think is number 1 in face-off wins right now?
0: Number 1 in face-off wins, and it's not Bergeron or Barkov.
1: And it's not Heischer, because I already spoiled that to you as well. Mm. but.
0: Uh Crosby.
1: No. A Bo Horvat. Mm. Crazily enough. Uh yeah. That's
0: interesting.
1: Bergeron, uh to be fair, Bergeron is second and Barkov is third. Um and Bergeron has a better face-off percentage than uh Horvat has. Um Bergeron has a sixty-one point two percent face-off percentage. Um, whereas Horvat has a fifty-seven point six face-off percentage, uh, but um, but so so it's like kind of, so like uh, Bergeron has had more face-off opportunities there, and it's very close. So it's like still technically, if you're you know Bergeron still has a a good good lead there but still it's just it's just interesting though I didn't realize like I knew Bo Horvat was good on face-offs I didn't realize he was that good and he's like he I think he's top 10 in goals or no he's second in goals as well so he's like I mean this is his contract here but anyways that's like a, we're sidetracking here um yeah
0: Anyways. I was actually taking a look at the face off numbers with among players with 125 draws minimum taken. Okay. And of that group, McLeod is twelfth in face off percentage, Haller wow. right behind him at thirteenth, and he sure ranks seventeenth. Okay. So in, in that category, you have three guys in the top twenty, the doubles top That's three face off guys. Yeah. They're all in the top twenty in that stat. That's which crazy. is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I know that it is pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know how – you're going to have to show me off air on how to how to figure that out of, like, how to limit the face-off. Yeah, face you'd you like.
0: have to go to uh, show more filters, then you go to, like, total face-offs, okay. and then you set the number. But, yeah.
1: I see. Okay. There is a
0: way of doing that on NHL.com for anyone that uh, is curious uh, to look yeah, that yeah. up. Okay. But the other thing that I also want to point out is John Marino. We mentioned yeah. John Marino. We look at what Pittsburgh did last year. And the fact that they're kind of struggling on the back end this year in New Jersey is doing so well. I I think John Marino might be one of the most underrated defensemen in the sense that you don't really see him on the ice, on the score sheet all that much in terms of goals, assists, and points. But everything else that he does, it seems to be making a difference, I think.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because when he was in the league, he did show some offensive potential, but it's been clear Mm -hmm. that, like after a while, yeah, he has a very good, he's very good at sh- that shutdown role, um, and that's clearly a big reason why the Devils are where they're at. But, like, yeah, John Marino could be, um, yeah, he, in terms of point totals, he could be um, even more there that way. Um, yeah, it's interesting just from the Devils' standpoint, because I think, like, in the off off to like, we'll have to go back to our preview and stuff, but we were kind of mentioning how, like, they they have a, they always have a ton of injuries, and we weren't sure about their goaltending um, situation. And it turns out that this year they they have the goaltending. They're not they're healthy at the moment. Um, of course, that can change. I'll knock on wood for them. But yeah, that's like a bit been a big reason why they've been able to do so well is that a lot of them are health, A lot of their key guys are healthy, and a lot of their um, and their goaltending, our, our check, has been very good. Um, and you know, he probably will get some positive votes even if he keeps us up. Um, having said all that, do you think this will continue? I'm sure that like it's not like they're gonna go uh, 79 and three, um, <laughs> for the rest of the, the time, but yeah. um. But, like, do you think that this will, like, do you think they'll make the playoffs? Let's, let's say, state that as a barrier.
0: I think they can, just based on the fact that the eye tests, it's not like they're fluking their way into wins. They're doing all the little things right, as I said. And also, keep in mind that Alexander Holtz hasn't really made a significant NHL impact yet. Neither has Simon Nemich. uh, Neither has Luke Hughes. Nico Dawes is in the farm system. He had a little cup of coffee in the NHL last year, but he hasn't really played all that much this year. Palat is out for a couple of months. Mackenzie Blackwood is injured. Jonathan Bernier has been hurt for a while. Dawson Mercer and Igor Sharangovich have a lot more to give offensively. Hughes, Brett, they're starting to hit their stride. Uh, You've got some other talented prospects in the system. And you also look at... um, you know the the defense that they have. You talk about big defensemen that are trying to box you out, and that's something that sense coach DJ Smith alluded to after the Devils' latest they They're twelfth in a row. Dougie Hamilton is six six. John Marino six one. Damon Severson is six two. Uh, Ryan Graves is six five. Siegenthaler is six three. You have Brendan Smith who's six two, and then you also have Kevin Ball who's a six foot six monster that just hits people with authority like th- this. I think we're starting to see, and it, it might be way too early to say this, but they could be in the makings, they, this could be the makings of an Eastern Conference powerhouse, give it a couple of years, but the Devils I think are on their way, like they were to being in the 90s and the 2000s a consistent playoff threat that you gotta mark down on your calendar every single time you play them, because you know it's not gonna be an easy game I don't think the Devils are pushovers anymore. They're not going to be pushed around. And they are going to be a team on the rise that just keeps getting better. And yeah. the the best is yet to come. And they're already looking great.
1: Yeah, I mean, so,
0: Yeah, this this year I would say they're a playoff team. How good they'll be, I don't know. Because, again, the Metro, there's, a, there's not much to give there. But, I mean, 7-0 in one goal games. They're going to win more games than they lose when they play like that.
1: Yeah. Um, in defense of Luke Hughes, he's still in college, so it's like he wasn't yeah. really expected to to play this year. Um, even though he, he is NHL ready. Um, also, uh, his teammate at Michigan, uh, Seamus Casey, who's another New Jersey uh, traffic. He's also uh, he's been pretty good too there in, in Michigan, fourteen points and fourteen games as well. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention like like yeah, you you do like you know. You do have a point in terms of like, yeah, we still they do have a bright future in their prospect pool, especially Hughes, Nemec, um, and and Holtz, um, and but like I don't know, there's not like a huge rush for those guys to to be in the NHL, especially when the NHL pro roster is doing so well too. Um, so so there, you know, it would be more concerning if like he sure isn't doing so well or if Hughes wasn't doing so well because those were, like, top first overall picks. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it, it makes sense for, like, Luke Hughes and Holtz to kind of, you know, develop them slowly over time in AHL and college and all that stuff. So
0: That was more of a point yeah. to allude to the future, okay. like, of how good fair, they fair. can be moving forward, all right. not necessarily this year.
1: Then, then fair uh, point. The, yeah. the fact that
0: they won 15 of 18 with the group that they have, yeah, like, yeah. they're on something.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, if, if, like, especially, like, you're saying, like, yeah, if you can add Luke Hughes to this mix, like, he'll probably join the team late on in the season um, once the college season is over. And then you also can add, um, you know, you can add, uh, like, maybe you can get Alex Holtz going because, like, you know, some some things take time. Uh, then, yeah, you, you have you have something going. But, um yeah, I don't know. It's um, I you know I I've, I've always been high on the Devils. I I think it's like you know we we've always been aware of their goaltending issues and the fact that like it felt like a Jack Hughes was like finally getting going and this would be his year and then he'd get injured and then like mm-hmm. and then he becomes healthy again and then he's like it felt like he wasn't injured anymore. And then all of a sudden he gets injured after a certain time. So hopefully we'll. well Dougie see-
0: Hamilton and Miles Wood yep. around this point this year they were also
1: hurt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miles Wood missed the entire season too. Um, so yeah, no. And, and like Dougie Hamilton's another one. Nico Heisher sure has had some time on the IR as well. So it's like. Yep. You know, like with this team, yes, I I do think that they'll they'll make it. Um, and but like you again, you never know with injuries. You never know with goaltending, and that's been their two biggest issues in the last like couple of years. So, um, sure. so I, I am wary of it. I do think that they are for real, but it like Vanacek has to be this good uh, for the entire season, and like Blackwood has to be healthy too, um, and then and and you know be as good as his rookie year. Uh, a few years ago, um, that also has to happen, but, and, and also all these players that I just mentioned, like, yeah, they have to be healthy too, because all, pretty much every, every guy, um, has some sort of injury history, um, uh, as a part of their, their core, so that's, that's always something that you're going to have to keep in mind with this team, but, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely looking promising. It's not like you know, I, I hate being the wet blanket here, but um, but you know, you just have to be wary about that if you're.
0: I'm, I'm also considered now that they're doing this well with their approaches at the trade deadline yeah. because now that they're winning, yeah. Uh, you also look at the, the capital, the cap space, capital they have to work with. Like Thomas Tatar, yeah. free agent, Miles Wood, same thing. Eric Hollis, Damon Steverson, Ryan Graves, same thing. Uh, Andres Johnson, people forget he's in the minors because they demoted him. Jonathan Bernier hasn't played for a bit. Uh, all those guys are free agents. And then, of course, in terms of RFAs, you have Brad and Sharon Govich yeah. and Mackenzie Blackwood there as the three main guys. But, you know, that could Im- that could affect what they do at the trade deadline. It could impact what they do this offseason. and. I, it's it's important for them to evaluate and understand what they have and how close they are to taking that next step because the last thing you want to do is be like the Ottawa Centers and trade for Matt Duchesne and realizing we're not as good as we thought we were right right <laughs> and then everything falls apart
1: yeah that's a fair point um, yeah I, I, I do wonder what they'll do I guess we'll see I mean I think that's like where like it's good that they have Simon Nimich. On a, like a yeah. low, like you know, on a low thing. Um, Luke Hughes hasn't even been signed yet because he's in college. Uh, so like, and yeah, um, let me see here. Holtz, um, yeah, Holtz has a few more years on his entry level. Uh, so so yeah, there's there like that's where like all the the young prospects come into play there. Um, but yeah, I'm just noticing here they have. I I think you, you did mention this, but like, they have a lot of like guys who are going to be free agents this, this coming season. So, um, Mm -hmm. especially like the big one is Jesper Bratt, but, um, but yeah, you know, you still have like Tatar, Miles Wood, and Eric Halla who've all been pretty good, um, this, this past year. So, um, or, you know, maybe that will continue and they'll probably expect a raise of some sort. Um, but yeah, like it'll be interesting for sure. um, all right. Uh so I I think I think the Devils will make the playoffs but only I'll stipulate if one of their core players gets injured again then it'll probably all fall apart. So so I I'm, I'm going to like say like I I'd, I'd say that I don't think they're going to be this good. They're not going to go on a 70 um, 70 win streak or a point streak, but I, I do think that they'll they'll make the playoffs because uh, like the odds are definitely in their favor in that sense. But um, but they'll probably I I could see them slipping to like a wild card spot maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, because uh, people uh, I'm sure know what conference the Devils play in and how little give and take there is in the East. As we're going to talk about next week in our Thanksgiving standings, what we've done the past couple of years, is uh, we we, uh, take a look at where things are because that's the whole big hockey theory is that if you're not in the playoffs by American Thanksgiving, uh, you better be concerned just a little bit more. Um, And the thing with the Eastern Conference is, give it a month and it could change so much because a lot of those teams are pretty even. So, um, you know, the Devils could lose five straight. All of them could be a goal, but they could still lose five straight if they're all Eastern Conference opponents because, you know, a lot of teams are battling for the same thing, and a lot of right. them are very well matched. So, yeah, it, 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 it's it, it's crazy to think that a 15-3 and three start could not be enough to make the playoffs, but right. you know what? In this conference, I believe it. Like,
1: yeah, a lot could happen. Yeah, no, for for sure. Um, okay, uh, we now go to the Seattle Kraken, who've also—I mean, they're pretty similar. I mean, I know that this is their second year in the fran- in franchise history, but they're pretty similar in the fact that uh, they drafted second overall last year, they drafted fourth overall the, uh, this year. Um, so they, you know, they have a lot of draft capital, um, and like last year. Their their team was actually decent. It just was their goaltending wasn't happening, and now they're getting goaltending, um, and they're doing pretty well. Um, so um, Seattle is 10 5, and three with uh, twenty. So that's twenty three and uh, twenty three points. They're second in the conference, or sorry, in their division. Uh, that and then I I'm just looking at their league that would put them. Four, 5, six, seven. I would put them 8th in the league um, right now, so that's that's definitely pretty good um, and then in terms of guys who have been doing pretty well, uh, Jordan Eberle uh, Andre who are leading the team in points uh, with 15 you have Jaden Schwartz with 11, although he's been pretty cold lately, Matty Beniers has 11, he's been pretty cold lately too uh, Brandon Tanev has 10 points, Vince Dunn has 10 points, Justin Schultz and Jared McCann also have ten points. Um, then you get Yanni Gord, Bjorkstrand with nine points. Um, Daniel Sprong Morgan Geeky he had like a Morgan Geeky had like a five game point streak, believe it or not. But he was doing this all on the fourth line, uh, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, he has eight points in fifteen games, um, and that's impressive because he has he's averaging nine minutes of ice time. Um, so so that's there. We'll talk about Shane right in a second. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he has one point in seven games. Um, and, then, um, and then in goal, um, I, I want to apologize to Martin Jones. He's been the punching bag for me for the last... Um, like, since this podcast has existed, pretty much. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, uh, it, he, it was, like, worthwhile because he wasn't good. But this year, he's been pretty good. Like, who would have thought that... Like, we were saying, like, okay, Seattle, they they were a pretty good team last year, but they needed the goaltending, and you would think, like, okay, so they get goaltending, you would think it would be, like, Philip Grubauer, who would be the reason why, because he was, you know, he was good when he was on Colorado and Washington, but, no, uh, Grubauer's been injured for most of the year. Um, In four games, he has a, and even still, when he was healthy, he had a three seventy seven. Uh, GAA and a save percentage of 860 so that's not good. But Martin Jones, he's been real he's been incredible. Uh, not well not incredible. He has a 913 save percentage and a 2.31 GAA, but that uh, gets the job done, you know, a 9.4 and 2 as a record as well. So um, you know, I, I had kind of been like, you know, poo-pooing Martin Jones or like, I feel like if we have it, like an editor, we like, he would like go back into our, all our episodes, whenever I was trash talking Martin Jones and, um, and like would just put that clip in right now. Uh, cause it's been a, a lot, I've done that a lot, but, um, but know, it's, it's nice to see that Martin Jones has been pretty good. Um. Yeah, the, um, the only thing that I, I will mention, though, um, is uh, Shane Wright. Um, he, uh, like, yeah, he, he has, as I mentioned, he has, like, eight minutes of ice time. Um, I think I've mentioned this on the show before as well, but one points uh, in seven games. Um, so I get, like, you know, taking your time with Shane Wright, he's, you know, he's an important player. You know, you want to be careful with him, especially when he's, like, an 18-year-old playing in the NHL. I get that. Uh, But if you're... And, like, also, like, there's some rule that you can't move him to the AHL. um, And, like, you would have to, like, loan him to the OHL if you're you're going to, like, not use him. But the thing is, is that... So they've been healthy scratching him a lot the last couple times. And he still hasn't like fit those like nine games um, scheduled or whatever. Um, but like, so I, I get like what they're, they're doing. Like even like still, like if you're going to play him, having said that, if you're going to play, like, I understand that he's probably not like, you know, he's not ready for our top six minutes. I'm not even asking for that. If you're going to play him, play him more than eight minutes. And like, don't put him on the fourth line. Put him on the third line at least. Like, like he's gonna gain nothing out of like just playing very little time. In fact, it could like ruin his confidence. So I I don't like like yes, as good as Seattle has been, like like I I truthfully have no idea why Shane Wright, uh, what they're doing with Shane Wright. I have no like it makes no sense uh, to me. Um, and yeah I guess like Matty Beniers he has been struggling he he did start the season on the first line but they demoted him to the second line um, he did get an assist in the last game but he hasn't been as good as we thought he could be but even still like 11 points in 18 games that's that's not bad Um, so so it's like you can but like you know at least that's like it's you know it's growing pains for Matty Beniers that's that's kind of to be expected but for Shane Wright like he has to, like like he can't even learn anything with like eight minutes of time <laughs> on the ice so I I don't understand what what Dave Haxtell is doing it reminds me back when he was the Rangers coach and he didn't give any ice time to um, to cacao and Lafreniere. Um, and and that ruined their confidence they they're not as good as they they could have been. Uh, because they're they're not playing, so it's like, so what what it what 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 are they doing with Shane Wright? Like just just move him to the OHL. I don't even care if he's too good to be in the OHL. Just move him to the OHL. You're you're not using him right now. <laughs> like what, what what's going on? It's crazy.
0: So, um, but before we talk about the Seattle Kraken, I want to present an interesting scenario. Because let's say they do send him down to the OHL. Shane Wright yeah. is 18 years old. For all intents and purposes, I would assume if he does go back to the OHL, for real, for real, this could be his final season. The Kingston Frontenacs started off well, but now they're average and around 500. I am curious if Kingston knows that Shane Wright is coming back, if they trade him or not, because even for half a season of Shane Wright, they could get a lot of value for him. So for selfish reasons, I'm interested to see if my Ottawa 67s oh, would be in that be trade. But he's probably just going to go to London because they'll of trade course. their farm for yeah half a season of Shane Wright because that's just what they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. If the Kings front necks are in that position, please.
1: Yeah. But London. I mean, I, uh, so I I know this was about how good the Seattle Kraken are doing. I just wanted to mention that. out. I just wanted to mention that that rant <laughs> out because yeah. it's just like. I, I like I just don't get it, but yes, of course, Seattle is doing well, so it's like, clearly Hacksaw knows what he's doing, but like at the same time, it's just like, does he actually know what he's doing? It, it, it doesn't make sense. And this is what he did in way, New York, so I don't yeah, know. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, by the way, while we're on the subject of OHL talent, uh, the Seattle Kraken have a few in the OHL's top 30 scores. Uh, Tucker Robertson was as high as top five. He has uh, slid down a bit to a uh, 14th, but still 25 points in 21 games. It's still pretty good. Uh, David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves oh. has 12 goals, 23 points in 18 games. Uh, he is also property of the Seattle Kraken. You have Kyle Jackson of the North Bay time with 10 goals, 22 points in 20 games. And Ty Nelson, um, a former first overall pick, Of the North Bay Battalion Still with the North Bay Battalion 22 points in 20 games from the blue line Uh, He is also property of the Seattle Kraken I think he was uh, Second round pick I think Second or third round pick by Seattle In this past draft And Shane Wright hasn't played in OHL games So if he had you would count him on this list Yeah I'm
1: sure he would be Um, there So
0: they, they have a lot of young talent And again like you said With the Devils There's no reason to rush those talents You want to let them develop which again adds to your point of either play him or send him down yeah which i totally get but i feel like they want to see what they have out of shane right now because once they send him down to the ohl they're not bringing him back up and he's there for the rest of the year
1: right right so
0: i think that decision will come before christmas if it comes at all um because well, if if you get to a certain point, I think, you might as well just keep him up for the well, entire so
1: year. Well, so he's played, play it. but like, yeah, that part is weird too. because he's played in seven games, there's that like nine game limit, basically. And if he plays like yep. one more game, then they burn a contract. Or they burn that ELC burn, firm uh, 9 is not
0: the number yeah. they burn a year out of the which, ELC every time which is, is
1: which is what i which is what i thought they would do uh, for him is just have him play the 9 games like the first 9 games of the season and then just send him to uh, the OHL by the way it's it's a ridiculous that like you can't just send him to the AHL cuz that really is the answer it's like he's clearly too good for the OHL uh, but he's, like, not ready enough for the NHL. So just send him to the AHL. But for some reason, there's a stipulation that they can't do that for whatever reason. So it's just, like, so now he's just in, like, some some weird, like, um, uh, purgatory uh, where he's, <laughs> like, he's just healthy scratch. And it does, like, it benefits nobody. It doesn't benefit Seattle. It doesn't benefit uh, the AHL team. And it doesn't benefit the OHL. Uh, so it's just like, and it doesn't benefit Shane Wright. So it's just, um, that, that that rule needs to change, I feel like. Uh, but um,
0: Before, before, uh, before I, I go into uh, yeah. my thoughts on the rest of the Kraken roster, I'll go through the game-by-game log that is seven games long for Shane Wright. His debut, October 12th, against the Ducks. He plays 6-14. Uh, which is a total of 11 shifts, uh, no points, no shots. His first shot on goal, and to date his only NHL shot on goal, came against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, the game after that, uh, or maybe not the game after that, but uh, game five days later against the Hurricanes, October 17th, was his second career game. He gets a shot on goal in 6 minutes, 50 seconds, amounting to nine shifts, and that's it. First NHL point, his third game against the Blues, October 19th, so that's two nights after that. He, averaged, he plays 636 over 11 shifts, and that's his night. Uh, then he has gone pointless uh, in the following four games, spread across October 21st, October 23rd, then November 3rd, then November 5th against Sidney Crosby's Penguins, and that's the latest NHL game. So that's 15 days ago was yeah. his last game. And the only time he averaged more than uh, – Ten minutes was his second-to-last game in terms of recency against Minnesota, November third. He averaged, or he played thirteen forty-five, uh, iced uh, for twenty-one shifts in the game. Played for twenty-one shifts, um, and that's the most amount of NHL action that he has gotten to date. An assist, a shelling goal in those seven games, and we haven't seen Shane Wright in a game situation in fifteen days. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing before you move on um, is that um, it's, like, this is also, like, you know, Shane Wright missed a whole year due to the lock, the pandemic because uh, yeah. the OHL didn't play at all. Um, yeah. And he, he didn't have as good of a year the following year um, as we all expected just because of. Um, but, like, he still had a pretty good year in the OHL that year. So it's just like, like, we know what, like, you you could make a guess that like, okay, because he was pretty good, um, you know, that like, or because he missed a year, that was a big reason why um, his numbers were lower than expected um, the following year. So it's now I was just like curious as to like what's what's gonna happen here. And I also I would imagine he'll probably be play for Team Canada in the World Juniors, so maybe that's when um, he'll really start to get going. Yeah um, that's a that's, good
0: point by you, yeah. Yeah,
1: so I, I, I could I that. could see that. But yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I imagine what will happen is he'll play two more games at the very least and then um, and then they'll they'll send him to the world Juniors and then they'll decide what to do after that but it's just it's just crazy how they're handling him anyways we've talked long enough about it but I feel like it's like a weird situation that we kind of had to talk about it
0: yeah a- anyway uh, so uh, yeah. the Kraken ten five and three third in the Pacific uh, ninth in the league and away from home Brett this is key they're five one and one so they're doing well away from Climate Pledge Arena, which is good. Uh, They have a plus nine-goal differential, 58 goals for, which is 14th out of 32 teams. And they're 49 goals against, thanks largely to Martin Jones, is the eighth-fewest in the league. Um, And their shots against is the third-lowest average in the entire NHL at 27.5. One thing they don't do is get a lot of pucks on net, uh, 29.4 shots per game which may seem like a lot, but it's actually the 6th lowest across the board. Florida's got like 40 plus per game, which is nuts. Uh, The Devils are top 4 in that part out of 32 teams, um, and uh, the Kraken are well below in that regard. In terms of special teams, they're 12th out of 32 in power play percentage, 22.6. That's pretty good. They're penalty kill below 75%, 8th worst percentage out of 32. Not terrific. But in one goal games, they're 5-3-3, three, three, which, you know what? Again, it's not sexy, but they get it done. They get wins. The close game against the Rangers, they needed overtime, but they got the win. That game against Calgary, where they were down a couple of goals, they battled back. They forced uh, Calgary uh, down to the wire, and they got the win 5-4. Um, and the offense reflects that overall. Their leading scorer is Jordan Eberle, with 15 points in 18 games, looking at his game-by-game track record. It's been hot and cold, uh, but he's been their most consistent scorer. Um, and uh, the, the outliers uh, say that uh, he's had a, a, a pretty good year. Uh, Burakovsky tied for the team lead in points with 15 in 18. Uh, four of those being goals, 11 of those being assists. Uh, seven power play points as well. Um, you look at uh, Matty Beniers, and this, this is the whole thing. Matty Beniers has 11 points in 18 games. But we were talking about how impressive he was in the limited action, Brett, that he played last year and the limited amount of action that he had in the first seven or eight games of this season. But since this part of the season where the Kraken have basically won every game that they've played, he's kind of struggled for the first time in his NHL career. Um, I can't remember what that uh, pointless streak went to, but it was probably around the five, six, seven game threshold. Uh, but... Yeah, definitely um, the worst part of his career. And they were still finding ways to win games despite Matty Beneers not putting up points as frequently as he was doing. Uh, Jaden Schwartz has 11 points. That's pretty good. Jared McCann, 7 goals, 10 points in 15 games. Uh, Brandon Tenev is a plus 13, which is crazy because he averages less than 16 minutes. He has 10 points in 18 games as well. Uh, Justin Schultz has been picking it up. He has 10 points. Uh, Vince Dunn from the back end also has 10 points of his own. And uh, he's been averaging over 23 minutes, so nice to see him do well. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand might have 9 points in 18 games, but he's taken 55 shots. The goals will come. And then, like you said, Morgan Geeky uh, with 8 points in 15 games, that point streak he was on. He's averaged less just under 10 minutes per game. He has 3 game winners, and he's a plus 12. Yeah. Which, which is kind of nuts there, and a shout out to Daniel Sprung as well, who has eight points in eleven games that he's played.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of already went through that whole list, but uh, I, I guess mm-hmm. it my it bears repeating since we just went uh, a few minutes talking about Shane. Right, uh, according to uh, so I just looked at the game logs for Matty Beniers. He went six games without a point. Um, and okay. then uh, on Saturday he did get two assists, so he he broke that that streak. But um, but yeah, he. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think it was like to be expected that like you know like you know it's usual that rookies go on these cold streaks or they're like that's what they're known for to be inconsistent basically. Um, but yeah, it's you know I guess it's to be consistent or just to be like, you know, it, it's like goes with the territory of like, okay, this is like a rookie. He's still like, he's still pretty young too. So um, it just goes with the territory, but yeah. It's, yeah. And, um, and yeah.
0: you look at, you look at the point totals in terms of the league scoring um, McDavid and Drysdale. It, it goes without saying they're letting the league up once again. And yet the Oilers have only won 10 of their first 18 games and their defense hasn't really looked good. In yep. uh, most of them, Nick Suzuki is 10th, and the Habs have been all right, but not too many people are expecting a lot of them. Tage Thompson's 12th. The Sabres have kind of sputtered after the hot start that they've had. Necessa- My point being, just because you're top 20 in the league in scoring doesn't necessarily mean your team is good. Yep. Sometimes, most of the time, your team is good if you have balanced scoring. And that's one thing that the Kraken have. They've yep. been able to limit their opponent's chances. When their opponent gets chances, Martin Jones has been able to make the timely saves. And when they need a timely goal, they get one. Yep. Sometimes that's how you have to win games. Your team's not built to shoot up the league, but you're able to get results with the weapons that you have. And in the second season of their existence, that's how the Seattle Kraken have got to start winning games. you got to win games close, and you got to establish an identity. Once you get the talent and a proper system in place, and the right players in place, which I think for the most part they do have, the rest will take care of itself.
1: Yeah, I so, I mean, this is promising. I don't think it will continue, though. Um,
0: Yeah, because, I mean, Calgary and Edmonton are better constructed in terms of, you know, on paper, and they're below Seattle. Right, right, right. The Kings are scoring a lot of
1: goals. Yeah, and and even though I did I did start to congratulate Martin Jones, uh, he's better than he had. like. This is probably the best hockey we've seen him play. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's still early, um, and he could fall apart. Uh, so like, and who knows when Gruber is going to be back and if he can be. That Grubauer that we saw two years ago on Colorado, so um, so that like it's still a little shaky. Um, I also don't think Dave Haxtell is a good coach. Um, that's even despite this whole Shane Wright thing. Um, so um, so yeah, I, I think it's like yeah, this is promising, and you know I, I think you know Borstrand has like it has been as good as we thought he would be. Uh, Burakovsky as well. Uh, but, um, although I guess Bjorkstrand hasn't been as good as we thought he was going to be. But Burkovsky, for sure, has been that type of thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think this is going to continue. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, this, it, it is kind of interesting because we thought, like, Seattle could, could do what Vegas did in their inaugural season. Um, and it just turns out, like, yeah, okay, Seattle's doing what, what Vegas is doing um, in their inaugural season, but just a season later. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's like the reason why we thought Seattle could do what they were doing was because of Grubauer, um, and Grubauer hasn't been like hasn't even played. So, so yeah, maybe I mean there is a chance that like Grubauer can come back after this injury and and actually start to uh, to do well. But um, but yeah, at the moment, it seems like it's like oh, this is just. Um, this is just another team, or, you know, like, I, I don't I don't think this will continue, and they probably won't make the playoffs.
0: The other thing is that they've gone through, and no disrespect to the teams I'm about to mention, they, fe- they faced a lot of, at the moment, non-playoff teams, or teams off to slow starts. Their first game's against the Ducks, their second was against the Kings, who at times have been prone to give up a lot of goals. They've gotten a bit better, but still... Um, There's the Blues who struggled early. Uh, Chicago, who's probably going to struggle a lot. Same with Buffalo. Vancouver hasn't been that great. Pittsburgh has had their ups and downs as well. Minnesota, they've had two games against them, and uh, Minnesota's uh, gotten off to a relatively slow start. Uh, Calgary is a good team, but inconsistent as well. Uh, Nashville has kind of slumped too. Um, so, even if they keep most of these teams to one goal games, as the level of competition starts to increase in terms of the toughness front, once you get to go up against you know, the Floridas and the Tampa Bays, which they got two games against Florida in December, they have one against Tampa, they have another game against Carolina, St. Louis has gotten better, you would assume the Alberta teams are going to get better as well. You're going to get uh, a little bit of the Eastern Conference uh, action in January. Um, in January, they also have uh, a game against Colorado. They have a game against Boston. So as the season progresses, they're going to go up against a lot of those teams that on paper are, pro- are probably have enough talent to outscore the Kraken most nights. And by then, like the games are going to be magnified even more because... The playoff scenarios are going to be starting to take shape, and at that point, if you're struggling, every game matters. And if you're uh, struggling to to make an impact in your division standings, the games matter even more, right. especially if you're in the Metro. So as, the, as a lot more is on the line, it's going to be tougher for the Kraken to grind out some wins. So that's why it's important for them to keep winning now. So if they do struggle, they have a bit of a buffer to kind of play with. I feel like... If they're outside the top three in the Pacific Division, probably the Central Division teams are going to beat them out if when it comes to the wild cards. So that that's that that's why it's so important for the Kraken to kind of keep the good times rolling as much as they can.
1: So I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit uh, because they, I mean, yeah, they they do have ten wins, um, so that's impressive. But they did you didn't mention that they beat uh, the Rangers in overtime. Um, yep. And uh, the Kings, yes, I know that they're they're struggling as well, but they're second in the division, and they beat them twice um, in the most recent game, as well as the first game of the year too. Um, And they also beat Colorado too. So it's like, and Buffalo, um, Buffalo, they beat five to one. And uh, yeah, Buffalo's not doing so hot anymore, but Buffalo does have like a they do score a lot. Um, and just to keep them to, like, one goal, um, it's very impressive. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I like, you know, I, I do think that there are, like, like yeah, I, as, as I mentioned, I feel like what we're seeing right now, they'll probably eventually fall off. And, like, the, like compared to the Devils, I, I would feel, like, more comfortable that the Devils are going to make the playoffs compared to the, the Kraken. Um, even though the the Devils are in a tougher division, but um, but yeah, I, I do think that like as you were saying, like Colorado, uh, sorry Calgary and Edmonton are still below them, um, and and those are better teams. Um, so yeah, I, I I could see those two teams in particular over overpass Seattle. Uh, Vancouver is a mess right now. Anaheim's a mess right now, and San Jose's a mess right now. Uh, so, uh, so they do have that going for them. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like Edmonton and Calgary will will eventually figure it out. Uh, so, so yeah, there's that. But I mean, I don't know. If,
0: if if the Kraken are still in contention by March, March is going to be their biggest month oh, yeah. because you have a, t- a pair of teams in Detroit and Ottawa. Or if they're still in the hunt, those could be big games. They have Colorado. They have three games against Dallas, uh, including back-to-back home games, which is kind of weird. Um, And then they also play Nashville twice and Minnesota once. So those Central Division games, especially if they're going to be battling for a wild-card spot at that point, those Central Division games are going to be gigantic for them. Uh, April is pretty easy, but I would say if I had to mark down a certain month as their toughest test – if they're still in the hunt in March, March could be a make-or-break month for their season.
1: All right. Well, I mean, March is a big month for a, a lot of teams. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, but, but on paper, in terms of head-to-heads, the grand scheme of things, wins, Fair. losses, uh, March is going to be pivotal. Well, I'm just saying because, like... They also play Edmonton, too.
1: Because so. well, I'm saying, like, playoffs are in the middle of April, so... Yeah, we'll see. Um, and, yeah. and the trade deadline stuff as well. As yeah, I'm trade much. deadline
0: will be around then too. So we'll, we'll have a better idea, of course, in February and March where this team is. But um, e- e- even if they're still winning, um, I don't really think they do anything at the deadline. They're probably going to keep the cards close to their chest and yeah. trust the process for the most part. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I, I think it. You know, it's interesting. I, I think we'll see because you did mention the Thanksgiving stuff. Um, and we'll see like how they do this next week, um, and then once, once they're like you know maybe they they could be buyers, um, uh, yeah, and and we'll we could see that you know it, it is interesting that like like as just in terms of like you know you look at this team and you're like okay like yeah Grubauer needs to be better, uh, Martin Jones needs to be better too or you know. Martin Jones has been really good for them so far, um, but then you look at their team and you're like, okay, Everly, Schwartz, Burkowski, Porkstrand—that's a nice team—and then if you get Veneers and Wright going, that's great. But then you look at like their their true weak spot is defense. It's like, yeah, Vince Dunn is is good, but and Justin Schultz is good, but they're not like really like like. You know, exciting players. I guess. Uh, so, so yeah. I wonder if they if they are going to be buyers, they'll probably go out and get a defenseman, um, and to to improve their blue line. Um, so, so yeah, that, that would be my guess. Is is what they would do uh, if they if they really want to go for it this year. Uh, but I imagine maybe they they don't want to do that. So we'll see. Um. Alright, so I, I guess we're kind of in the, the same spot that, or we have the same thinking that we think the Devils will make the playoffs, but probably as a wild card, and Seattle's going to miss the playoffs, right? Yeah, I think I think Seattle, they're going to be in, in
0: contention for a wild card spot in March, but um, I don't know if they have the firepower, and I don't know if what they're doing right now is sustainable, where at the end of Game 82, they were a playoff team, so... Um, I do think it is cautious optimism for the future because last year they were basically irrelevant. They didn't even hit 30 wins. They weren't really in too many people's conversations, and they weren't being talked about around the league. Yeah. That's changed this year, and heading into year three, yeah. to be in at least a conversation is a good It's a good uh, it's situation for a team like Seattle to be in.
1: It's definitely promising for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, um, yeah, that about does it here for us at Lace Them Up. You can follow us on Twitter if there is still a Twitter by this time. Um, you can also at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up, um, and you can listen to us on, or subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff.
0: I'm Steve Elsworth. We'll talk Thanksgiving standings in episode 344 of the Lace Up Podcast.
1: Happy Thanksgiving, all you Americans who are listening right now. (laughs) All right.